Welcome to Freelance with Freedom. I'm your host, Harriet Hadfield, and I'm so excited you're here. I help creative freelancers become fully booked and in demand in any market, on their terms and without burning out. I went from broke makeup artist living in a room I couldn't stand up in, living paycheck to paycheck, to working on the red carpets of LA as a celebrity makeup artist. I also created a six-figure business during a global pandemic in less than seven months. After working around the world and on set as a celebrity makeup artist 15 plus year, I was tired, tired of the hustle culture and an emphasis on being busy. I was tired of the starving artist mentality and buying into the narrative, there's only one way to be successful. So I decided to create my own version of success, to break the rules and rewrite my own. And I wanna show you how to do the same. If you're a freelance creative and you want to generate consistent income, work with your dream clients, and step into the CEO role in your business, you're in the right place. There's room for you at this table. Today's episode is sponsored by my one-on-one coaching container. This is a private container over four months where I'll help you increase your client base, income, and opportunities without burning out. I'll show you how to work less and earn more and step into the CEO role in your creative freelance business. I've helped my one-on-one clients create their highest cash months to date, launch their own programs, make over six figures and beyond, and create infinitely more freedom inside their business. So you can fill out an application to work with me one-on-one in the show notes, and I can't wait to support you. Okay, so today, welcome, Freelancer Freedom. So excited you're back. Today, I want to talk about my tips for starting again in a new market. So one of the reasons a lot of creative freelancers join Freelance for Freedom program is because they are either about to or are currently navigating moving to a new market and naturally they want some support. And I know myself how stressful and overwhelming it can be moving to a completely new country and ultimately starting again somewhere else. So today I want to share my tips on starting again in a new market what I did and how that helped me become a fully booked and in-demand artist working with A-list celebrities in just a few months. So after 12 years working as makeup artist in London, I moved to Los Angeles, I think it was in 2016, and I have spent over six years here now. And for the time being, I think of LA as my home. And it's funny because people always ask me like why I moved to LA, like what made me choose LA. And ultimately, when I look back, I never saw myself living in England forever. I remember as a kid, I grew up with photos of New York on my wall and I dreamed of traveling the world for a living. Like that was something I always knew. Granted, didn't realize it was gonna be LA. (laughs) But when I first started out as a makeup artist, I thought my career would be predominantly in fashion. But after two seasons of Fashion Week and assisting heavily in the fashion industry, which was probably over about three years, I quickly came to the conclusion that wasn't the dream, as it turns out. (laughs) It wasn't my dream, but I still loved makeup. And I always remind my clients inside Freelance for Freedom that I change markets and move to a new country. So I know a lot about navigating the complexities of freelance life on both of those angles. So to start with, to change markets, you have to get clear, first of all, on why. So for instance, a common mistake a lot of creatives make is they want to move because they think another market is easier or there's more money somewhere else, only to be sorely disappointed when neither of those things turns out to be the reality. I always say to my clients, if you can't succeed in a smaller industry, what makes you think it will be easier in a bigger one? Sure, there's more work, but there's also more competition and a lot of people forget that. So it's no surprise to me that people who live all over the world join Freelance for Freedom. 
I have people who aren't getting booked in smaller towns. And I have clients who live in New York City or huge, supposedly very busy and in demand markets who are also struggling to get booked. So honestly, it doesn't matter where you live or what market you're in. The grass isn't greener somewhere else, so to speak. And I say this because going back and forth with the type of work you show is confusing to clients. So continuity and consistency are a big part of your brand identity. So the first thing I want you to do is decide on the work you want to do and where you want to do it first. If you are changing markets, make sure you like your reasons first. So before we moved to LA, before we even applied for our visa, we actually went to LA for a month to see if we liked it. (laughs) We'd always talked about moving. We kind of knew deep down, me and my husband, I moved with my husband, that it would be LA or New York. And at the time I was 30 when we left London, when we were looking to move. And I remember thinking, New York is intense. Like London was already intense. I was like, New York's a very fast pace of life. And I don't think previously we'd ever really considered LA, but Dave had a brother living there for a while. So we were like, let's go stay with your brother. Let's go see what it's like. We went for a month, like I said, to kind of try it on and see what life was like out there. So we set up meetings, we made connections so that we could get a flavor of what life would be like for us as a couple. And I tried to imagine a day in my life living there. So how much would food cost? What would be the expenses? How would I feel being that far away from my family and my daily support system? I had to try all those things on. And I always say to people thinking about moving markets, especially if it requires you moving abroad, you want to spend some time figuring out what requirements there might be for you in order to move. So for example, we had to get what was called an O-1 visa to work in the U.S., And because me and my husband both had creative jobs, we're both self-employed, we both had to get O-1 visas, irrelevant of the fact we were married. So we had to work with an immigration lawyer and factoring in the cost of the visas themselves and the lawyer costs, like that was two big costs we had to factor in. There was also no guarantee we would even get the visas, let alone both of us get them. So it was a pretty stressful time, the not knowing and the waiting. So I would advise anyone who is moving to a new market, especially if you're moving abroad, to make sure your mental health is a priority. I remember doing a lot of running outside during this time and journaling so that I could process everything I felt around the move or potential move, as we called it. That was the funny thing. We were like, we think we're moving, but because we knew we had to get accepted for the visa, everything felt very tentative. We were having to say to our family, we might be about to move abroad, we might not. (laughs) So it was a really kind of funny limbo to be in while we were waiting. And if you are moving to a new country, I recommend going to meetups or joining Facebook groups with other people who have done the same move so that you can ask questions, especially when it comes to things like getting a car, opening a line of credit, or making sure you have everything you need to rent a place to live, etc. So I remember we joined a Facebook group, I think it was called Brits in LA or something like that, which was super helpful especially when it came to things like potential obstacles we might face in the first few months. So for example, we didn't realize our credit history would start from scratch again in the US. So our first credit card had a limit of $300 (laughs) and we had to build credit again, like we were starting over completely. So it's little things like that, that with some warning, again, you can plan for that. You can think about how you're going to solve that problem. But ultimately, this made things like renting an apartment or leasing a car particularly challenging because we had no credit history to pass a lot of the checks. So these Facebook groups and the support of other people who had made the same move, that helped us tremendously when it came to navigating things like this. 
So to sum up, do your research. Be on the work side of things. Consider what your life will look like too. Spend some time thinking about, can you try on what it would be like being in that market? What are the non-negotiables that you will need to know? And what can you kind of preemptively problem solve before it's already happened? So let's bring it back to the work you need and what you need to consider when you move to a new market. So the first thing you have to do is identify who is the new client and the market demands, the requirements, like what are they looking for? So you have to spend a lot of time thinking about who it is you want to be working with. What specific questions would they have about you and your work? What would they be looking for? What would you need to be able to do and show in order for them to hire you and feel good doing so? So when changing markets, a lot of people skip this step, especially if they've had success in their previous market, and then they wonder why starting again feels really hard. So step one, you have to do your research on the client in this new market. This might even include archiving past work. It might mean you have to strip back what previously got you booked in a different market in order to appeal to a new one. So let's say, for example, you're a bridal artist who wants to book campaigns. The images that got you booked and busy in your previous market aren't going to be the same images that get you booked and busy in the advertising market. You will have to relearn your new clients' wants and needs, and you will have to unlearn what you knew previously. And to be clear, there will of course be skills you bring with you, but when it comes to your evidence, like the body of work that your clients are going to see, it needs to be created with a new market and a new client in mind. So once you can identify the work that gets you booked, you need to create more of that. Creating more of that is what starts to set you apart as the expert in that new market. So repetition is incredibly important, especially when you're starting again in a new market. Your evidence should be dripping in proof that you are the expert at the service you offer. So a lot of people get very caught up in doing it perfectly to the point where they never start versus starting again in a new market from a place of curiosity. So curiosity is a huge requirement for becoming successful in a new market. It requires patience. And I don't necessarily mean with how long it takes to quote unquote make it, but how long it takes to learn the client, to understand the way they think. And this is why studying the client is so important. So from this moment on, I want you to spend some time studying the clients you want or the market you want to enter into. Notice the themes, notice the non-negotiables. Who do they currently work with? Why do they book them? I want you to notice all of it and become really, really aware. So for example, when I moved from fashion, my early career started very much in fashion, doing things like fashion weeks, lots of editorial. And when I moved from fashion to celebrity, the first thing I noticed was how much less celebrity clients cared about tear sheets. So these were proof my work had been printed in magazines. We used to call them tear sheets. And when I was in the fashion industry, that was a big deal. So I'd spent a lot of energy making sure my work had been in magazines when I was working in the fashion industry, because that was something that client had cared a lot about. Versus in the celebrity market, there was much more emphasis on who was reposting my work. The celebrities needed to see I could make them look good, not necessarily turn them into an avant-garde caricature from a high fashion story. (laughs) So they looked at Instagram before they looked at my portfolio. And in other words, Instagram became my portfolio. I understand that my ideal client was probably spending a lot of time on Instagram, not just looking at creative websites. And it's not about wrong or right, good or bad, or better than. It's just about understanding the complexities of each market and more specifically the market you want to get booked in. 
And of course, it's worth pointing out that as time changes and the creative industries evolve with the digital era, there have also been changes to how we get booked as artists. It can feel more challenging to navigate this alone when you not only have to navigate a new market, but navigate it with the changes social media has brought up. And that is something I'm so proud of with Freelance with Freedom, that we take all these things into account. If there was one skill that helped me transition from fashion to celebrity and start again in the American market, it was understanding how to network authentically. And it's so funny because every agent I've ever had has always said to me, make sure you go to all the parties, (laughs) make sure you're going out in the evening and networking. And I think that's what gives networking a bad name is it kind of can seem quite inauthentic and very schmoozy. But those words always fell on deaf ears to me. Like I was never like, yes, I'm going to go do that. I resisted it. And I think I decided very quickly that while networking would be necessary, I would do it my way. So I wasn't going to ask lick my way to the top. And I sure as hell wasn't me going out to all hours, trying to make people I didn't like want to work with me. And there was so much emphasis on being in the big teams. But what I decided, I decided that I'd start my own team. And I did this twice. I did it in London and I did it in LA. So I made a concentrated effort to think about who else wanted the same things as me. Who did I want to attract me? As in, if I was a magnet and like attracts like, who would I be looking to attract? Who would I want to work with? And honestly, I thought about it like I was a judge on Pop Idol, (laughs) trying to find my own personal A-team. So I got tired of waiting to be accepted into the teams who were already established. So I did what I've always done. I took action. And without people knowing it, everyone I met to discuss working together, I was secretly auditioning them. In my head, I was like, okay, I'm deciding early on. Do they get it? Do we have the same vision? Do they want the same thing as me? And if the answer was yes, I believe they were added to my team. They didn't have to know it, but I was like, okay, we're going to work together. And I've talked a lot about curiosity today, but curiosity is another key ingredient when it comes to networking, because you want to go into every meeting with an open mind. And when it came to networking, I didn't just choose the obvious route. So I could have focused all my energy on photographers, for example. But in addition to that, I connected with set designers, hairstylists, models, art directors, you name it, I met them. I was always curious. I was like, okay, if I go in with an open mind, how could this connection create a lasting relationship or a really positive work environment, work relationship? I also didn't believe that I needed an introduction to everyone I met in order for it to be appropriate to reach out to them. So one of the things that helped me move markets into a new country was what I think a lot of people refer to as cold emailing. Now, to be clear, I've never used that term, but I understand that's how people see it. And I never thought negatively about emailing someone I didn't know. I never felt like a burden or imposing because even in the worst case scenario, they could simply delete my email or not respond to it. (laughs) And the only difference is my emails were very carefully worded and came accompanied by my celebrity pitch procedure. So everything from the subject line to what I attached to the email was considered and incredibly intentional. So in Freelance for Freedom, we teach our clients how to navigate what I call your inner and outer circle so you can navigate networking without it feeling icky or spammy. But there is no way I could have moved to Los Angeles and started again in a new market without cold emailing. And I prefer to think of it as authentic networking. So cold emailing isn't really something that has ever been my vocabulary, but I understand that's what people refer to it as. And it goes without saying my best work came from finding those like-minded people, but I decided early on I would never wait for like-minded people to find me. 
I would seek them out. I was always looking for those like-minded people. And many of those people came from cold emailing and using my celebrity pitch procedure that I teach inside Freelance for Freedom. So my celebrity pitch procedure is how you position yourself as the expert. It's how you establish yourself as a thought leader in your field and a true visionary. And after years of working with publicists, producers, and agents, I learned exactly what they were looking for. Again, I'd been studying them. (laughs) I stayed curious at all times. So I knew what to include, what to remove, and how to edit my pitch for every kind of client that I wanted, which again, was super helpful moving to a new market. Once I studied the client, I knew what they needed to see and what I needed to include. I knew exactly what to put in the subject line to increase the chance of my emails being opened and how to position my copy inside the email. And this is the exact process my clients have used themselves to book Ed Sheeran music videos, press junkets with Gabrielle Union, and book global skincare campaigns. And I was consistently updating my body of work, from my portfolio to my content, to put me and my work in front of the clients I wanted. So I never saw my book as being finished. It was a fluid experience where I was always tweaking, I was always editing, and not from a place of perfectionism, but from a place of gaining a better insight and understanding of the clients I was trying to attract and knowing exactly what they would need to see to book me, especially as my demand grew, as the kind of clientele became more premium or the celebrities became bigger or more well-known. Like this process was a huge part of making that a reality. When I look back on reflection, I can see how much my community I'd created on socials also had set up opportunities for me. So especially when it came to things like sponsorship with brands. I knew deep down it didn't matter where I was in the world. I could make money online to support myself while I built my clientele somewhere new. And I also feel like my online community helped lead me to real life friendships that became a very important part of my support system starting again in a new market. And I love that my online community would recommend like where to shop, where to eat. And this made such a difference. And my online community wanted to be a part of the ride. They wanted to come along for the journey and it was so heartwarming to know how much they were rooting for me too. And for all the bad things people say about social media and even with my fair share of trolls and haters, I'm still blown away by the support and camaraderie of the people that follow me online. The fact that complete strangers on the internet want to spend their time with me in my little corner of the internet still blows my mind. And I'm so grateful that the community I've built is a reflection of what's possible when you are unapologetically yourself. I'm very grateful for my community and I've always said there are no clients without community. And I built Freelance for Freedom because I didn't want a single creative to have to navigate building a successful business alone. I didn't want moving to a new market to be a mystery. I wanted them to feel surrounded by and immersed in a caring community that is always rooting for them. And honestly, that's my proudest achievement, making that a reality in Freelance for Freedom. So let it be known that starting again in a new market is available to any and every creative who wants it. There is room for you. There is room for all of us. Thank you so much for listening to Freelance with Freedom. I'd love to continue this conversation over on Instagram. So come hang out with me at Freelance with Freedom. You can follow me there for mini trainings that include mindset and strategy to help you step into the CEO role in your business. And if you're interested in taking this work further, head to www.harrietadfield.com to find out more about working together. I'm wishing you an incredible week and I can't wait to see you in the next one.